as we continue in our study of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're looking at verses 10 through 8, or 10 through 17 this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, or yeah, verse 10 through 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, to be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of, my, of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, the son he should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The title of the message this morning is Pride, the Cause of Division. Pride, the cause of it. Let's pray and look at Heavenly Father. We do thank you again for the opportunity and privileges we have to open your precious word this morning. And Father, I pray that as we look into the word of God today, that we allow the spirit of God, who's the author of this book, to speak to our hearts, that we'd open our hearts, that we might receive thy truth, that we might allow him to search us this morning to see if there be any wicked way in me. Father, I pray that you'd help me to declare the truth of the word of God, that it might be applicable to our lives for our good and for thy glory. We pray to be any in our midst who are not born again. I pray that the Spirit of God would to show that and reveal himself to them this morning through his love and mercy, that they might have new life in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we said last week, this church at Corinth was a proud and prosperous city. Those two things often go together. It was a city of wealth and slavery or poverty. And, of course, much of this was because of its location of being a prominent trade route. It was, a, it was on the isthmus between two, two seaports, two seas, two, or oceans. So there was a lot of trade route through there. So there was a lot of activity, a lot of commerce. So it was a very wealthy city. And so it would kind of be obvious, and it is if you read the book carefully, I think, that the church also was made up of different classes of people uh, on extreme ends of the social spectrum, both rich and poor. Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, for example, he says, Now are ye fool, now are ye, ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign, that we might also reign with you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, he talked about that when they were doing the Lord's table, there were those who would come and, 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 and to, the, mer- to the, the love feast, as they called them those days, they would come to, for like a fellowship meal, and there were those who were, who were drunken and those who were hungry. And, and the word drunken there doesn't necessarily mean 
they were intoxicated with, with wine. It means they were, they were overcome or full uh, to discomfort with food. You know, uh, so they were, there was those who had an abundance and then those who were without. So you had these extremes. Uh, there was a church with people that were wise in this world and then those who were not. And these differences weren't necessarily wrong or bad. I mean, in any country, in, in, in a sin-cursed world, you're going to have people that are rich and you're going to have people that are poor. And basically that has to do with initiative and taking responsibility and applying oneself. Some people don't and some people do. You know. Uh, you'll have people that are born into riches and then there's those who are not. And there are people that are that are wise and there are people not. That's just the way life is. That, that isn't necessarily wrong. However, it does give opportunity for pride which is the cause of division. Um, you know, some people, some, sometimes, something that sometimes we don't understand is that we are all born again into the, into the same family of God, and we are all the children of God through faith in Christ, and the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. However, we are not all at the same growth position. We're not all the same growth. Even as in normal physical life, not all of us here are in the same growth position. Some of us are little, we're very young. Some are, you know, teenage years, and some are some of us are are mature adults, and some of us are just getting old. You know, and and we're I hate to say this, but you know, sometimes we become like children again. Uh, but you know, we all in, we are in different stages of growth. We're all in the same human family but we're all in different stages of growth. And that's the way it is in the church. Uh, you know, it's sort of like you can leave the same place at different times or move along at different speeds and you'll arrive at the same destination at different times. It's all in when you start and how fast you go. Yeah, there are some people that grow faster than others. You know, they always said of us bilers, we were kind of slow growers. My brother, who was about six foot one, and probably when he was 21 years old, probably weighed 210. And, and, and this one guy said, you know, when you were growing up, he said, I thought you were going to starve to death, you know. And now look at you. You know, it, but he, he, was, he wasn't very big in school. It wasn't until he was really out of high school, almost. Uh, so we, we, we grow at different stages. But again, and the point I'm trying to make here is there, there are different stages in life, but that sometimes we can become, uh, can cause divisions or we can look down at others or, you know, feel inferior to others because of that. But even Jesus had an inner circle of disciples. Peter, James, and John. And, of course, we know there was some division amongst the disciples. What was the cause of that division? It was James and John who said, can we have sit at the right hand and the left hand in your kingdom? What is that? What's the root cause of that? It's pride. Pride. 
And not one of us is immune to it. Not one. Including this preacher. In fact, I've come to the conclusion that the root of all sin, I don't care what it is, is pride. Pride is very invasive. It affects everything about us and everyone. It's a focus on me, what I want, my work, my enjoyment, my needs. Pride takes many forms. Brother Custer preached on this at camp, and I thought it was a great help. It was a great help to me and I think to many of our young people. You can be proud of being rich. You can be proud of being poor. You can be proud of being smart. You can be proud of not being smart. You can be proud of being physically fit, and you can be proud of not being physically fit. Uh, you can be proud because you're, you're outgoing and you're an extrovert. Or you can be proud of being an introvert. But many times, that is pride. Because people are introverted because they're afraid of being embarrassed. I understand that. Because that was me. I had a father-in-law that liked to embarrass me a lot. And, you know, but to his credit, I will have to say it helped me a lot because it humbled me. Um, he did it in fun, and it was fun, but I did get embarrassed easy. They, they often say in school, well, look at his ears are getting red. Um, anyway, but, you know, so, so you can, your pride takes on many forms. It's very invasive. And I want you to give you, first of all, just some things about pride. Then we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. Number one, uh, God hates it, of course. Uh, Proverbs 6.16 says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. And verse 17, the very first one is a proud look. Pride brings punishment. Proverbs 16.5, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though hand join in hand. And that's the idea of you're strengthening or fortifying your position. You join hand in hand, yet he shall not be unpunished. Psalm, or Psalm 12, verse 3 says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. It will cause us, pride will cause us to be cursed. Psalm 119, verse 21 says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. You know, the, the serpent was cursed above all cattle. And you think about it, what, what does that really mean? Well, let me ask you this. How many, people, how many of you like snakes? I mean, you would like a snake to get up on a couch and, and purr in your lap and you would pet it, right? Or you get down on the floor and, and, and pet, pet it like you would a dog. No, why? Because snakes are cursed. The idea is that you want to avoid it. You want to avoid it. Pride will cause us to lie. Psalm 119.69, the pride affords a lie against me, but I will keep the precepts with my whole heart. Pride separates us from God. Psalm 138, verse 6, so the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the holy, but the proud knoweth, he knoweth afar off. So as we consider this passage here this morning, I want to look at several things. First of all, pride exalts man. If you notice in verse 12, this, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this list. 
you know, we're all familiar with who Paul is. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. We would say he probably, he, he had, you know, we think because we have it recorded. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things we don't have recorded about the other apostles. So we really don't know for sure what all the other apostles did. Well, we have a record of what Paul did because he was used more than any other for, of course, of the writing, uh, in, uh, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit used him to pen scripture. So we know that he was a, a great and godly man, a church planter. Of course, Apollos, what we know about Apollos is from Acts chapter 19 and verse 28, it says he was mighty in the scriptures and convinced the Jews. So he was a mighty preacher of the gospel, using the Old Testament scriptures to convince the Jews who the Messiah was, that Jesus was their Messiah. So he was a godly man, greatly used of the Lord. Of course, Cephas is another name for Peter. He was one of the, of the inner circles of Jesus' disciples. He became the pastor after Jesus of the church at Jerusalem. And, and, and a question I would ask is, were any of these men carnal? And, of course, the answer is no. But also in this list, we have Christ. Now, if they're following Christ, that means they have to be the ones that are right. Right? No. The answer is no. You see... This little party click thing here they have going on is causing division in the church. And I don't care if you say you're following Christ. If it's a cause of division, you're not following the Christ of the Bible. If you're not submitting to the church, the body of Christ, the church of which Christ is the head, can you be following the Christ of the Bible? Or is it a Christ that fits your way? And again, how do I know that these followers of Christ, quote-unquote, were not right? Well, Paul says this in verse 13. Is Christ divided? And the answer is no. It's no. He did not say, is Paul divided? Is Peter divided? And is Paulus no? He said, is Christ divided? The answer is no. In fact, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And 17, 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of, he, notice what he says, of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, that's, you know, some of this stuff I'm, I'm still learning, I'll be honest with you. But think about what Paul's saying here. He said, be ye followers of me, and, 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 and then he says, you, you listen to Timothy, who is faithful in the Lord. He'll bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. See, the point Paul's trying to make is, look, I and Paulus and Cephas and Christ are the same teaching the same thing. 
And if you won't obey what I'm teaching you, you're not obeying what Christ is saying. If you won't obey what Apollos is saying, then you're not obeying what Christ is saying. If you won't obey what Peter has said, you're not obeying what Christ... By the way, you know, you think about, you know, Paul, of course, what he wrote, what we have recorded here, is the words of God. You know, these men gave them the words of God. But you know what we do sometimes? We pick out from messages what we want. And make something out of it that wasn't intended to be. Or we just focus on one thing and not the whole. Again, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, I think that's... Yeah, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5, he says this, Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers, notice this, by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. You see, the Lord gave a message to Paul... The Lord gave a message to Apollos, and by those men you believed. You see, God manifests himself to us by men. God manifests himself to Israel through Moses and Aaron. Hosea 12, 13 says, And by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. In Titus chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. You see, when we, when we pick and choose from men of God that we want to follow, or we say, well, well I'm going to listen to this guy, or I'm going to listen to... No. No, we listen to those that God has set an authority over us. They're the messengers of God for us. And that's how God manifests himself to us. You know, think about this passage in Titus 1 where it says he manifested his word through preaching. Preaching is the exposition or the explaining the sense or meaning of the scriptures. You remember when the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch who was an educated man, was reading the scriptures. And Philip joined himself to his chariot and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no. How can I? Except some man should guide me. And it, there's, nothing, there's nothing really special about the man that's guiding you except that he has been taught by another man. And you know, in his testimony last Sunday night, Andrew asked, said he asked God to show him if he was saved or not. He was praying that. Lord, if I'm not saved, show me. How did God show him? Through a man, Lonnie Smith, preaching the word of God. Again, preaching is the exposition explaining or the sense and meaning of scriptures. And Nehemiah 8.8 says, So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So 
So we see here, but, but pride exalts man and becomes follower of man and, and doesn't seek to follow the word of God as it's given by the man that God has chosen. Uh, secondly, pride compares themselves to others and not the word of God thereby, and thereby justify themselves. If you notice in, uh, in verse uh, 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 12 again, it says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So, so they're comparing themselves. You know, there's, there's divisions and contention here. They're comparing themselves among themselves. They had these, you know, maybe it may have been, I don't know if it was maybe little groups that had sectioned themselves off in the church and, and, and saying, you know, one group saying, well, I'm following Paul, and this other group over here was saying, I'm following uh, 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 Paulus, and, you know, this group up front here was following Cephas, and, and this front row was following Christ. And so they would care, compare themselves with each other. But you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 10 through 13, and, and this was an ongoing problem, obviously, because Paul's still talking about it. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 10. For his letters, this is, this is what they're saying about Paul. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his work, bodily presence is weak. His speech is contemptible. That really means plain or common. Let such a one think this, that such as uh, we were by word, in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that compare themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. So Paul says, you know, if we compare ourselves among ourselves, you know, if we start comparing ourselves among ourselves, you know, I'm always going to find somebody that I'm better than. At least I think I'm better than. I'm not likely... I shouldn't even say it that way. I am not going to compare myself with somebody that's better than me. You know, often, we, often we say things about people to make ourselves look better. That's pride. See, we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. Because you know, you can, if you compare yourself among yourself, you're always, they're always who you're comparing to is, always has a flaw. You're looking at somebody that's flawed. I don't care how good they are. They're flawed. And Paul says we're not to do that. We're to compare ourselves to the measure, to the rule of God. See, our rule or our ruler... Our measuring rod is the word of God. You know, John said this in his epistles, this is the record. This is the rule. 
The rule is not me. Now, I can give you what the rule says. Somebody else may give you what the rule says. I mean, I got measured this morning in Sunday school. I'm telling you, I got measured. I was blessed, and I was also challenged. Because I have a really grave responsibility that's been laid on me. I'm the shepherd sheep. And the more I do it, the more I realize the responsibility I have. But if I will stick to the word of God and his measure, it's not me that's doing it, it's him. I just have to give you and explain to you what the scripture says for your individual life. Whenever I start saying, well, I believe, and start depending on me, I'm going to have a problem, and it's going to affect you. By the way, if I wanted to do that, I'd really make it easy for all of you. Uh, But, you know, and so pride causes us to compare ourselves among ourselves, and that's what they were doing here. Now, we need to compare ourselves to the measure or the rule of God, which is his word. Thirdly, we see here a proud person will, will use Scripture to their own justification. If you notice in verses 13 through 15, Paul says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. Uh, you know, understand, again, understand here, Paul had, the apostles had unique authority. They instructed and corrected churches where there were pastors, because what they wrote was inspired. They were giving, they were writing and penning the scriptures or the instructions to the churches. But, and so they had authority. The apostles had authority over churches, but we don't have any apostles today. We don't have any apostles today. We have a, now a complete revelation of scripture. And that is our authority. There are no self-appointed preachers or evangelists that have authority over churches. There's some that think they do. In fact, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and said that the body is to edify itself. You know, I knew a preacher who did that very thing. He would tell Pat, he was an evangelist. He had, at one time, he had a quite wide uh, uh, sphere of influence. But he would, he would tell pastors, oh, you need to go here, and you need to go there. And some of them, bought, some of them, some of them did what he said. You know, and if there was a problem in a church, he'd go correct it. Or some of the pastors would ask him and come and take care of it. And, and you know, I didn't understand all the stuff I understand about the church today. Even, but even then I thought, this doesn't seem right. You know, I was young and naive, but this doesn't seem right. He was actually the president where I went to Bible Institute. 
That's why I didn't stay in that circle very long because, you know, I didn't agree with everything and I got kind of... Anyway, but he would, he would try to justify himself, this is mind-boggling me, by the sins and faults of the heroes of the Bible. A man that was, worked very closely with him for quite a year told me that he would say, well, David did this. And Moses did this, and referring to things that they didn't do right, and, and you know, thought just so if they did that, you know, you know, uh, you know it, it's not all that bad was kind of the idea. You know, the Bible does not record the sins and faults of its Hall of Fame to justify us, but to warn us. You know, in his ministry, though at one point had a pretty wide circle of influence, it got smaller and smaller and smaller. For in his pride, he was very easily offended. And if you disagreed with him, you might as well find a new friend. That was kind of the way it was. The sad thing is, he committed suicide. His brother told me some years before, he had two brothers that were preachers. Independent Baptist preachers. His brother said this, quote, He is the most ruthless preacher I know. Unquote. The saddest part of that story is, to me, he was a very able and gifted man. But his downfall was, he was lifted up with pride. And he would use the scriptures to justify his actions, even though they were contrary to the scriptures. And fourthly, sometimes pride, the pride justifies itself by what it does. Again, verse 12 says, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. So, you know, they were priding themselves in who they were following and what they were doing. And if we pride ourselves in what we're doing, not in what has been done, our confidence is in the wrong place. If we rest our confidence and assurance in what we are doing, you know, or what we, what we do not do even because of fear of not having God's favor, it's pride. For example, Luke eleven forty two. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, said, But woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye not these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Yeah, it wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with them tithing mint and rue and all manner of herbs. But they pride themselves in their tithes and their, their and, 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 and passed over judgment and the love of God. So they were priding themselves in what they were doing, not in their relationship with God. I remember in a church I was in years ago, there was a deacon who got upset with the pastor, and he caused a big church split. 
And the thing that I remember most, one of the major sticking points was the pastor's son wore cowboy boots that had heels this high. I remember like it was yesterday, he's standing on the pastor's porch, and he was pointing out how his pastor's son cowboy boots were this high. You know, I haven't seen yet in the scripture where it said you can't wear cowboy boots. And I've never known of anybody, anybody in the world that looked at somebody that was wearing cowboy boots and say, well, they must not be a Christian. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. You know, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, hey, why do your disciples eat when they haven't washed their hands? To me, that's so ridiculous, it's laughable. You see, they pride themselves in their rigid denial of things that they, didn't, they would not do or the things that they did do. And Paul wrote Timothy, and he's speaking of these kinds of people. He said, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of world, where come envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. And the, the, the word surmising there means to infer something without evidence. In Galatians 5, 6, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, and he says that we need to have a faith that works that worketh by love. It's not the things that we do. It's a faith that worketh by love. Again, the idea here is faith, the energy that drives our faith is love. Not, oh, I don't do this because I'm afraid of God. No, I do this because I love God. It's out of a heart of love. Not because I fear him or am afraid of him. Faith that worketh by love. You know, love is the fuel that activates my faith or obedience to God. It's the fuel that keeps the motor running. It's like the gas in your car or the diesel or whatever it might be. You see, salvation is not a reformation, a changing of the old man a reforming of the old man, it's a regeneration. It's new life given to you by God that will work then out of a heart for the love of, with the love of God. But pride exalts it and justifies itself by what it does. And it deceives us into thinking, because we do certain things, we are okay. You know, in uh, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 3, the prophet Obadiah, speaking to Edom, said this, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the cleft of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? You know, the Pharisees' pride in what they did, their outward show of religion, the, the, those things that they... they and that they also, you know, not only, not only the, the things that they, that they did, but the things that they, they would not do. You know, they fasted and prayed and all these things that, and denied themselves certain things. You know, they were into asceticism as well. You know, so all these things they pride in 
earning favor with God. They had lifted themselves up in their pride. And as I said, there is not one of us that is immune. Your pride is the root of all sin. Because pride is setting ourselves in the place or position that belongs to God. You know, it was the cause of Satan's fall. Ezekiel 28, 17 says, speaking of Satan, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Pride was the sin of Sodom. You say, wait a minute. Sodom. No. Pride was the sin of sodomy, of Sodom. Sodomy was the fruit of their pride. Ezekiel 16.49 says uh, very clearly that what was in thee was pride and fullness of bread. It says nothing about sodomy. You see, pride was the cause of sodomy. And in their pride, they rejected God's, God's uh, uh, prescription and understanding or direction for human sexuality and set up their own standard. They rejected God's design, set up their own design. And, of course, God destroyed them. What was the cause of the problems when James wrote about it in James chapter 4? He said, there's wars and fightings among you. And then he says, wherefore? God resisteth the proud. And so I would repeat, pride is the root of all sin. Now let me ask you a question. And this applies to whether you're saved or lost. Do you ever sin? We chuckle because we know the answer to that. And the reason I ask that is it proves that we all struggle with pride. It's a battle for all of us. None of us are immune. The church at Corinth, though it had was greatly gifted. They had what they needed. They had a problem with pride. And if there is pride, there will be contention, jealousy, and division. Proverbs 13 says, 10 says, only by pride cometh contention. Think about that. Only by pride cometh contention. If there's no pride, there, no no. There's no pride, there will not be contention. That's what really what that's saying. With a well-advised is wisdom. And of course, Proverbs 28, 25 says, He that is proud of, proud of, of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth in trust in the Lord shall be made fat. 
You put your trust in God. You reject pride. You humble yourself, put your trust in God, and you're going to be made fat. I mean, the idea is here full. Have a full life and rewarding. That's what God desires from each of us, for each of us, as a full and rewarding life, a blessed life. And so, but to receive that, we must put away pride. How is it with you this morning? Is there pride in your life? Or is there a problem with pride in your life? Give it to God. Humble yourself and surrender to him. And he will give you the blessing that he desires for you in your life. He will draw near to you.